Lord's been good to us. Amen. Let's go ahead and show that as we give a, give the Lord a, a moment of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you for this time that you have set aside for us to uh, just speak to you, Lord, and just thank you for all that you have done. You are indeed a great God who has blessed us and kept us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives to sustain us and keep us. And Lord, we know that you keep us every single day. And you ask us to not get ahead of ourselves, to focus on the day, because tomorrow will be there when we get there. But today is sufficient for us to look to you and give you praise for all that you're doing. Bless us and keep us, Lord, as we move forward. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. How many of you are still working right now? Still have jobs of some sort? Amen. Now, there's a few of us here. You know, some of them, some of you who are very fortunate and blessed to be retired, uh, you'll still appreciate some of what's going to be said here in today's message. Uh, because even though you may not be working at a job, you're still working uh, in one way, shape, or form. Amen. There's still work to be done. But uh, over the past year, a number of companies, including the one that I work for, uh, have made modifications, if not outright changes, to their company codes. The company codes. Um, These codes, which are also referred to as laws or policies, you know, the employee manuals that we talk about. Um, The updates are where every employee must regularly review and pass annual multiple choice tests involving what is commonly referred to as the Code of Business Conduct and Ethics. The Code of Business Conduct and Ethics. Now, every large organization, especially those that trade on the stock exchange, uh, they have these business uh, conduct codes, these ethics codes, where people have to uh, work in such a way where they are being obedient to those codes and not violating any issues that take place. Now, to be clear, the annual reviews by employees of the company policies on ethics and conduct, they are time-consuming. You know, we sometimes have to sit for about an hour at a time or a couple of hours at a time to take these tests. And sometimes they are just downright mind-numbing. You know, when am I going to get this thing over with? Amen? I mean, that's, that's how they usually are. But they're required by human resources. It's required viewing. It's something you just can't skirt and get away from. You just have to do this thing. And the quiz questions are coming in peppered throughout the entire presentation. And they try to make the presentation more engaging in some way, shape, or form by using humor or something like that or using cartoon characters, I guess, as they go through it. But ultimately, it's a very serious thing. And you have to take this test to make sure that you are committing to ethical behavior in the workplace. Ethical behavior. Now, what do these company codes mean to the employee and to the organization? It means that there are very high standards for conduct and ethics. And they deserve attention and they have to be followed in order to uphold the standards and practices of the organization. There has to be complete buy-in to this. The standards are important enough in areas of responsibility that, frankly, they involve legal issues. There could be legal ramifications if these codes are not followed properly. And in some cases, there is corporate liability, and in some cases, there is personal liability. 
So you have to be conscious of this stuff. An employee has to commit to following these practices and has to sign off on them. They've got to sign in an electronic form and document that, yes, I agree with these policies. And if an employee doesn't commit to follow the code, if an employee chooses to do things that are different from what the code stresses, that's grounds for immediate termination. So this is nothing to play around with. It's very serious. Now, this message is about following a code of conduct and ethics. And it's no coincidence that the Bible can also be referred to as the believer's code of conduct and ethics. The believer's code of conduct and ethics. Now, when you became a believer, it was when you recognized that Jesus was to be your personal Lord and Savior. That's because of what Scripture says, right? And we read that, and we understood that, and we made that declaration. But your journey of learning more about Jesus Christ and growing in your relationship with him comes from your ongoing study of what? The Bible. There has to be an ongoing study of the Bible. When you became a believer, you were there at that point, but you continued to grow because you're studying the Bible. Now, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Because that's kind of a key element of what we're going to be discussing here today. It can't be emphasized enough that without the Bible and without the teaching of the Holy Spirit as to the meaning of what you've been reading, your ability to learn about Jesus Christ is next to impossible. It's next to impossible. You won't do very well if you're not reading the Bible. You won't do very well if you're not taking in that word as you go along. God teaches you about himself through his word. Of course, all of us at one point were beginners in this. We started the journey. It's a journey, right? It's a journey of learning about Jesus Christ. You're on a lifetime journey of learning about Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's a lifetime journey. One of the things I, I love saying, because it's so true, every day is an adventure. Well, there's a journey and there are adventures along the way in your journey. But the bottom line is that you're learning more about Christ each day as you choose to. In the same way that we strive to learn about new tasks or positions on our jobs, because sometimes you learn a new job, you have to learn how to do the job, and there are ways that you do this in the best possible way. In the same way we do that, acquiring knowledge about God must always be our focus. We have to learn more about Him. Solomon proclaims this in the first verses of Proverbs. And guess what it says in Proverbs, in the first section of Proverbs? It talks about the beginning of knowledge. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Let's look at verses 1 through 7. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. Now, for the record, all the passages I'll be reading today will be from the English Standard Version. We won't be bouncing around, but follow along in your own Bible. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. Oh, I forgot to say turn your Bibles and electronic devices tonight. That's a typical thing. Some of us have Bibles and some of us have the electronic devices. It's very good. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. 
to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now I trust there are no fools in this room. Amen? 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 Amen. Because we all want that wisdom and instruction. Now, do we always execute very well? No. Speaking for myself personally, no names other than me. But we all have this challenge, don't we? We want wisdom and instruction. It should be our mission to seek the Lord's wisdom and knowledge for life. This is a lifetime mission. Amen? As long as you have days, it's your mission. With that in mind, it is interesting that a number of people see the Bible as a book of rules and regulations, and instead of embracing it for its holiness and godly standards, they decide not to read it. Or, just as worse, run away from its laws and rules. Amen? It's a quieter amen, but... Run away from it. Defeat is a certainty for those who fail to see the significance of following God and adhering to His rules and laws in Scripture. You will be defeated. And people experience defeat all the time. Why? Not paying attention to what the Word is saying. That's like going into a, a ball game. You have a game plan and you don't follow your game plan. You're going to lose. A number of people miss the point about the Bible. They will readily sign on to uphold their company's policies of the new millennium and honor its standards and ethics and yet dismiss the Bible as irrelevant and outdated. Amen. It was written for a bunch of old folks. Well, there's a bunch of old folks in this room. But we have young people in this church too, amen? amen? It's not really for me because it was written a long time ago. Okay, that's your rationalization, but what's that got to do with anything? I don't think God is speaking to me through these stories and fables. Well, we got some bigger issues now. But you've heard these things being said about the Bible being irrelevant. 
If your faith is lacking, amen? If your faith is lacking, this is what your comments are going to sound like. Because everything that's been said before has nothing to do with faith. And yet, there's a passage of scripture that shows how relevant the Bible really is. If you have faith, you understand. Go to 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. When you have faith, you understand that this particular passage means everything to you. And I mean everything. Because if this passage means nothing to you, then all the rest of the Bible is going to be irrelevant. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If that passage doesn't mean anything to you, then guess what? Forget about reading the Bible. Because now it's more than stories and fables we're talking about here. When a believer concludes or even declares that the Bible is irrelevant, is it possible that there is a disconnect in his or her relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember, I said a believer. A believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If a believer comes back and says the Bible is irrelevant, there's a disconnect in their relationship with Jesus. Amen. I wish I could say this has never happened before. But it has and exists now for a number of people. Not necessarily anyone in this room, but perhaps you know someone. Is there a disconnect? Oh, you bet there is. What has happened to a believer who has taken a relationship with Jesus Christ and just cast it aside? Perhaps this is a moment in time where one's faith needs a rekindling. So how important is faith in this situation? It's everything. Take a look at Hebrews 11.1, 1, please. Hebrews 11.1. 1. How important is faith right now? What do you need to do to get yourself, you know, just like when a car battery dies. What do you have to do to a car battery? You have to charge it up. You've got to sometimes put a charge on it. Sometimes you have to connect it to another battery and, and hope that it sparks and gets the engine running so that the alternator will kick in and help to charge that battery back up again. Some people need that spark. Hebrews 11.1, that spark is faith. I hope you get what I'm saying there. That spark is faith. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Are you the type of person that has to see everything and believe? Faith is going beyond that. Amen? Amen. Take a look at Romans 10.17. What does the word mean to you? 
Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Hearing, of course, involves listening to someone else project the word to you, and taking it in, and believing what you're being told. Now, of course, you are still the Berean, right? You're still going to go back and check the word yourself, but it starts with what? Listening to someone else and believing it. Otherwise, you wouldn't check it out. Otherwise, you wouldn't test it. It has to start somewhere. Faith has to start somewhere. And thankfully, for many of us, it's the beginning of the rest of our lives. Faith starts somewhere. And we're not even talking about a lot of faith. Faith, even the proverbial mustard seed size of it, that you read about in Matthew and Mark, is the kindling that sparks a renewing of one's relationship with Jesus Christ. Even the smallest measure of faith can produce big results. Big results. It just starts with little bit of faith. Now, please do me a favor and give careful consideration to your own relationship with Jesus Christ. A lot of my messages lately have been like this. I keep getting led back into the same vision, going back to you look at your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Where does it stand right now? Consider where we've been over the past year. Consider what we've come through over the past year. Consider where we are today. Where is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Rather than measuring or comparing the size of your faith with someone else, which you should never do, by the way, don't look at somebody else who looks like they have it together and say, man, I wish I could be like that. Well, you can be like that. Have some faith. I suggest you just start with yourself. Start with you. Start with where you are right now. In this case, your heart for Jesus is what's most important. That's what matters more than anything right now. What is your heart for Jesus Christ? Ooh, got real quiet in here. You could hear a pin drop. Your ongoing prayers and study of God's word leads you to have greater knowledge and awareness of who Jesus is. It helps you in your relationship with Him. Because it's all about building a relationship, amen? It's a relationship building moment. The more that you do this, the more that you're going to readily receive His wisdom and knowledge. Remember what we just said at the top of this? We gain more wisdom and knowledge the more we seek after Him and look to Him. We start reading the Word and we look and listen to Him speak to us. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us wisdom and knowledge that helps us in our relationship with him. A friendly reminder to everybody, God teaches you about himself through his word. Amen? 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 God teaches you about himself through his word. And I'll add to that by saying he gives you the indwelling Holy Spirit as a teacher and a tutor. A teacher and a tutor. As you experience his word for yourself. And every now and then we need a tutor, don't we? When we were in school, there might have been a subject we had in class. It's like, I'm not getting this at all. So it's time for a tutor. Someone to pull you aside and have a one-on-one with you and talk about The subject matter at hand. And that tutor helped. Guess what? That's the Holy Spirit. Because we all need tutors every now and then. Amen? Amen. And I love it how Philippians 4.13 actually talks about uh, how you are strengthened because the more you get into him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He gives you the strength. So have you done your homework? What? There was homework assignment? Well, not for me specifically, but we all have homework to do. What's the homework? Are you referring to your personal study time? You should be. It's your personal study time is your homework. That's an assignment that is always going to be in place for you. That's your homework. Have you done your homework? Are you preparing yourself as you take life's tests? Because every day, we just got through saying, is an adventure. Are you preparing yourself each day for this adventure? Is the Bible... If the Bible is not being read or studied with a high regard, guess what? You're going to struggle with those life's tests because you just don't know how God is speaking to you each day through your readings to prepare you for stuff that comes you have to have the same attitude that Joshua had go to Joshua 1 8 you have to have the same attitude about the importance of looking at God's word on a daily basis. That homework we just talked about. Making sure that you're putting the time in. And again, we've said this over and over and over again. Almost to the point where it's getting probably tired. You're tired of hearing it. But if it only takes you about 7 to 10 minutes a day to read scripture. And another 5 minutes or so. Uh, 8 to 5 minutes of praying. That's 15 minutes out of your day. To be in the Word. You really don't have a lot of excuses at this point. Because I believe in Bible reading that's going to make you successful. And keep you in the Word for at least 15 minutes. Now if you want to read beyond that, go for it. Absolutely. If you've got the time to do it, do it. As a practical matter, you can succeed every day if you stay with a plan. And stay with it for that 15 minutes of time. And be in prayer. 
We as believers have no excuses. Have the attitude of Joshua. Joshua 1.8 This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, who doesn't want prosperity and good success? Amen? That's an if-and-then statement. You're going to be prosperous and have good success. I pray that this does not apply to you, but to experience a prolonged disconnect. Disconnect with Jesus Christ means that there is a lack of understanding as to God's power and ability for your life. There's a lack of understanding. There's a lack of appreciation. I've listened to a number of messages from Pastor Gus and from other pastors as well and preachers where some people just don't seem to be very interested in hearing God's word. Amen? Don't seem to be interested. Are you bored that easily? What exactly is happening here? It's a tragedy in the making for a number of people. That's what it is. It's a tragedy. And I'm not talking about non-believers here, although this certainly applies to non-believers. I'm talking about believers. I'm specifically speaking about believers. I'm taking the approach of James within his epistle to the Jewish Christians. Take a look at James chapter 1, verse 25. James is written to Christians. They're Jewish Christians, but they're Christians nonetheless. They believe in Christ as Savior. And I've always said before that James is one of the first books you can look at in Scripture and understand that it's written directly to Christians about behaviors and attitudes. James 1.25 But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, listen carefully, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Because we have a lot of believers who know what scripture says, But do they do it? Do they live it? Do they demonstrate it? Do they act it out? Here are pointed questions for you to consider. Are you relying on the power of the Spirit that dwells within you? Are you listening to the Spirit at all? Maybe there's just a bad connection. You know how you have cell phones? I won't mention brand names, but there's one brand name that's always had a reputation for having bad connections. It starts with an A and ends with a T. But anyway, is it just a bad connection? 
that you have with the Lord? Well, it doesn't mean that God isn't speaking to you. Perhaps it means you're just not listening to Him. He's talking, maybe you just can't, maybe you're just not listening. The connection works. It's there if you use it. Jesus always, always, always has his line of communication open. He readily speaks and he listens when you call upon him. Amen? Is that not the truth? He is always there for you. Now, I'm not going to get into this Jesus on the main line stuff. Okay? I'm, I'm just not there, alright? Amen? But he truly does listen to you. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Pastor Gus has said, Pastor Gus has said on a number of occasions that God has been very good to him. He didn't know I was going to do this, by the way. This is part of the message, Pastor Gus. God has been very good to him. He has experienced blessing after blessing and, quote, God has richly blessed my wife and I. That's a direct quote. Because he just said it about a week ago, two weeks ago. When you hear something like this, do you say amen? Or do you say that's nice? Or do you say that's good for you? Amen? Now, you saw, there were three different responses there, and three, all three of them had a different little attitude behind them. I want you to check that out, because some people might be saying, yeah, good for you. Where is your faith? What is your purpose? Does your connection with Jesus Christ need an upgrade? An upgrade. If you take the time to learn to listen to God through the power of the Spirit, He's going to be able to help you in your faith and help you to shape your purpose. A lot of people drift through life and have no idea what they're doing. As a believer, that should never be you. You always should know what your purpose is. If you know what your purpose is, you know how to proceed in life and deal with things as they come. But if you're just living like this, you're not going to be very successful. God has the answers and the solutions to all your questions. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to question things as they come up. You should be questioning stuff. Because God is teaching you through those questions. But if you have the attitude of, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. Well, hold on a second. Is that a question or a comment? you want in a relationship may not be revealed to you right away. In other words, you might ask God something, but He might give you the answer right away. That's okay. He's going to give you what you need to be able to move forward. 
And step out in faith. Because ultimately we have to step out in faith. Amen? Amen? We have to step out in faith. We would love to know what's going on tomorrow. But God sometimes is not going to tell us. And sometimes he doesn't tell us because you don't need to know. Amen? That's hard to deal with sometimes. You don't need to know. You wouldn't want to know in many cases what's coming tomorrow. Amen? So know what you're asking for. You've heard the old phrase, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. One day at a time, everybody. The Bible is not just for old folks. For those of you who consider yourself to be young men and women, yes, it's for you too. Amen? Amen. How many of you still feel young? Amen? Am I the only one to put my hand? Okay, there's somebody else at least acknowledge that they feel like they're young. Amen. What's wrong with y'all old folks out here? Arm too heavy, can't get it up in the air. Woo! <laughs> oh, it's the arthritis. Oh, okay. I'll give you. I'll give you a pass on the arthritis part. But still, come on. The Bible is the book of God's standards and practices for every believer in Jesus Christ. It's the believer's code of conduct. The Bible is a book that requires commitment to live according to God's will and purpose for your life. It's his holy standard for each of us. It's our code of ethics. Now let's understand the importance of what the Bible can do for you as you learn more about this faith. So we've already said the Bible is our code of ethics, code of man, a code of conduct and manual of ethics. So here's what it reflects in the same way when you have a company manual or a code in a business. I'm going to take the same language from this code of business and apply it to what the Bible says. So check this out. And, you know, keep in mind, you have to sign off on this stuff at work. Because if you don't, you're going to be in violation. You have to sign off on it. So, this is the very company codes of conduct and ethics that we would be following. Number one, you can write these down if you want to. Uh, number one, our commitment to equal opportunities for all. Our commitment for equal opportunities for all. Now, as you learn about Jesus Christ and what it represents in all of your interpersonal relationships, a scripture that should come to mind about God's fairness and equity would be in Romans chapter 2. Go to Romans 2, verses 6 through 13. Our commitment to equal opportunities for all. And this is something that I, I always come back to because it's very important for us to see that God is a God of equity. He wants us to all treat people equally. In the same way companies have this written in their codes and manuals, 
He tells us the same thing in His Word. Let's take a look at it. Romans 2, verses 6 through 13. Verse 6. He will render to each according to his works. He will render to each according to his works. Verse 7. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Verse 9. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does not who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, which covers everybody. Amen? But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. If he shows no partiality, that means he wants equity for all. Fair treatment for everyone. Verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Now once again, these are the words that mirror the intent within the book of James chapter 1. It's just saying the same thing. You hear the word, but you got to be a doer of the word. Because people need to see your equity and how you treat people. Not just talk about it, you do it. Amen? Amen. This is a hot tea day here. <laughs> this passage is a reminder to everyone that you need to make sure that your communication with Jesus Christ is at an optimal level. Why? He plays no favorites. He plays no favorites. If you want to represent fairness and equity in today's world, treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's so simple, isn't it? And yet, doesn't always work that way. You set the example. You set the example. Love God and love others as well. Love always carries the day. Love, I'll say it again. Love always carries the day. Jesus reminds us through his word, the example we are to set before others. Now, let's go to Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. We have seen this passage before, and we know that this is one of those uh, things that we've declared here in the church all the time. But it's really easy, simple to go back and look at this now and say, hey, is this how you're living? Not just at home, but out in the world. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. And Jesus gives us this information to help us, frankly. Because we want to get past the Bible being just a bunch of rules and regulations. Verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Ha <laughs> ha. Verse 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. 
And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That's how you live simplified. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Key elements there? Love and love. When speaking of diversity and inclusion, there's a lot of that talk going around lately, including in my workplace. Scripture takes us right back to the place where we are to love everyone and avoid condemnation of any kind due to one's differences. Guess what? Jesus did exactly that. And that's what we need to do. It always starts with love. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I always include verse 17 now because it's important to make sure that we're getting the entire essence of what's being said here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The clue is not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Not to condemn the world. Although the world deserved condemnation, he wanted to see the world get saved through him. Once again, key key word and element here, love. Live according to his example wherever you go from here on out. Rest of your life, everybody. This is a life mission here. Live according to this example for the rest of your life. You will be fair and equitable. You will treat people the way you want to be treated. Now, do you always get treated that way? Of course not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you're mistreated... Just say praise the Lord anyway. Amen. Amen. Because he's using you. As long as you're here, you have a purpose. You have a purpose as long as you're alive. So live that way. No matter what somebody does to you. Number two. Here's another item ripped from the manual. A pledge to live in safety... Avoid conflict and live in an orderly manner. This is what workplaces want to see. They want a safe environment, avoiding conflict, living in an orderly manner. And understand something, we know that sometimes uh, avoiding conflict is pretty tough. Amen? Sometimes people go to work to avoid conflict at home. That wasn't meant to be funny, but I know it. It can be very serious for a lot of people. They go to work and they, and they when you're coming home, honey, well, I'll be a little bit. <laughs> Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. 
Starts there, doesn't it? Starts with Jesus Christ being our safety. Our safety is in Jesus Christ. He keeps us. He protects us. Turn to Isaiah 41.10. Let's look at another one real quick. Isaiah 41.10. The Lord reassures us with his word too. Are you reassured by the word? Does the Lord reassure you? This passage should reassure you. It's spoken specifically for those people who have fear or concerns or issues, especially about what's been going on this past year. If you have any fears or concerns or issues about what's going on, look at Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's security. As far as not stirring up conflict, because this is obviously a challenge for a number of people, those people in your life that are volatile, where they love drama, they like to act out, you know, in your mind you'd like to be like, in your mind you'd like to do that. Amen? But you can't do that at work. Amen? So you turn it back over to the Lord. Go to James chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. This is always your go-to. The calmest people in the room sometimes are the people who do this in James 1, verses 19 and 20. The calmest people in the room. You ever notice how there's people around you, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, you have something just sitting there just looking and observing. You know. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear Slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You may have every right to be angry. Amen? You may have every right to be angry. But guess what? God calls believers to do more than just act out in the flesh. More. As far as orderly living, turn to Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4. Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4. Orderly living involves focusing on Jesus Christ. Amen? And when these letters were written to the different churches, Paul is trying to get everyone to think of the same mind. 
the importance of living in accord with each other. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Humble yourself. What do we have sometimes in some churches? Rivalry and conceit. Unfortunately. So you think this letter wasn't written for a reason? For those who always want to try to get the one-up on somebody else, you're in sin. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's how you work, work with one accord. You're concerned about what other people are thinking and doing. I'll just read to you 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. The humble mind probably should have come first here, but that's okay. The humble mind will allow you to do all the other things. Have sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart. Humble yourself. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Bless. Be a blessing to others with your presence, and you'll be blessed. That's what's being said here. And of course, Romans 12, 18, which is something that I'll, I'll, you can look at it real quick. Romans 12, 18. You're not going to necessarily connect or click with everyone you come in contact with. Because we're all different people. We all have different stuff where we come from. But the bottom line is that scripture calls us to do something that the world would never call us to do. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Amen? Amen? That is exactly what we have to do sometimes. You have to live peaceably. There are times you have to say, agree to disagree. That's fine. Agree to disagree. Number three, our commitment to live in honesty and to stand against unethical or illegal behavior. I'll repeat it again. Our commitment to live in honesty and to stand against unethical or illegal behavior. That's a company code. If someone does something wrong in a company, guess what? You have to report it. That's your obligation. Now, of course, you shouldn't be the one doing anything unethical or illegal. Amen? It starts with you first. Before you have somebody point at you. But it is a commitment to do what's right. That's basically what that is. So what you're going to see here is that love is the dominant factor as we live a life of honesty and resist doing what's wrong. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. 
1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Y'all hung in there real nice. Maybe the air conditioning finally kicked in, huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. You should see me up here. It's like a wet mop. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Amen? Amen. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, I share this passage because I want everyone to understand that while there are people that we live and work with every day that practice these behaviors, we are to recognize that, A, our response is to still love these people. Amen? Amen. And B, serve the Lord Jesus Christ as a faithful representative of the gospel. You're not compromising anything. You're still living in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to stand on the truth and let the Lord, let the Lord handle his business within our ministry for others. In other words, you minister the truth. If you talk the truth, you speak the truth, you love those people, let the Lord take care of the rest. his business. When he tells you to pray for other people, he's telling you to pray for them for a reason. For a change of heart. A change of mind. A change of attitude. That's what we're supposed to be doing. He certainly doesn't want us to come up, hey, I'm a saint, you're a sinner. How far do you think that's going to go? That's right. Falls right to the ground. Doesn't go anywhere. Love. Love. There's no conflict of interest in pursuing diversity and inclusion for all people because Jesus teaches us to love everyone. Always remember what it says in Romans 12. Go to Romans 12 verses 9 through 13. Romans 12, verses 9 through 13. Romans 12, verses 9 through 13. Beautiful passage. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. No compromise. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Now keep in mind, we need to talk about ourselves a lot here. Before you start looking at other folks, talk about yourself. Abhor what is evil. 
hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. If you do this, you can minister for Jesus anywhere and everywhere. Amen and amen. If you do this, you can minister anywhere. Anywhere and everywhere. You know, as far as behavior is concerned, we already know the difference between right and wrong. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. We do. We know the difference between right and wrong. Companies have to list what is proper and improper to make it easier to identify these rights and wrongs. They'll give you a list of behaviors. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. Guess what? The Bible does the same thing. The Bible does the same thing. In, many, in addition to many references throughout the Old Testament as Moses was communicating these behaviors to the people of Israel through the Pentateuch, which is the first five books, he's communicating all this information to Israel. In the same way, you're going to find these behaviors are going to fall under the umbrella of what? The Ten Commandments. But look at what it says in Romans. I'll read it to you. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, ha, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You can make this very simple or make it very difficult. The key element here is love. You can't love God and sin at the same time. You can't love God and sin at the same time. Your guide to living in honesty involves obedience to God's word and putting love at the forefront of everything that you do. I trust you can see now how these company codes that I just read to you, they have an actual connection to biblical standards. There's biblical standards written through these codes. Doing the right thing. As we live in a world that embraces fleshliness over godliness, let's continue to pursue this godliness by living in completeness before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our guide is the believer's true code of conduct, the living word of Jesus Christ. His living word. Remain prayerful each day as you take in his word and live before others. There is no greater calling than to be a follower and representative of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you have done in our lives and what you continue to do. We thank you, Lord, for how you teach us. We thank you, Lord, for how you motivate us to continue to seek after you. Lord, we want a strong connection between you and us. Where we truly are remaining faithful. We don't want to lack faith. We want to have a greater relationship with you in that you can use us. 
and that we can serve you in the best possible way. And Lord, there will be opportunities for improvement for sure. But we thank you that you will speak to us as soon as we just ask. We thank you for all that you're doing for us. We thank you for your gloriousness, for your glorious name. We thank you for showing us examples in life of how there are biblical standards all around us. It's just up to us to follow them and follow you and make sure that we are indeed truly loving others and treating them as they should be treated. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is our tutor and our instructor. And we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.